He can stay. Well, good morning, FCC Church. Hi, let's do it again. Good morning, FCC Church. Good morning. Awesome. Welcome to another wonderful and sunny Sunday here at FCC. Could you please stand up and worship along with us? Bye. 
Genesis 15, 6 says, Abram believed the Lord and the Lord credited it as righteousness to him. Amen. Let's pray together. God, thank you for this day. Uh, thank you for these people. Thank you for this church. Uh, thank you for this, this ability that we have to come and, and freely and proudly worship you. Lord, I ask you to take this time that we have, allow us to, to put away our distractions, our, our worries, our stresses. God, this is all about you. Thank you for this life. Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. You know, Every day is a good day to be in church, isn't it? Yeah. I don't know what it is. You just come to church, and it's like an hour or 30 minutes, and everything's just kind of peaceful for a little bit. Then you go back outside, and you're like, oh, man, life happens again. So I personally, I am thrilled that you are here. Hey, if you're watching online, I'm glad you're here too. And I'm going to tell you, little man, if you come on stage, they're going to put you in Bible college. <laughs> you have to start preaching. You're going to have to start preaching. Hey, guys, our, our family worship Sunday. If you have not got your little worship pack back there, uh, please do so. If you're watching online or you're here in, in person, there's a little number you can, you can um, text your connection card information. Uh, otherwise, I'm, I'm thrilled you're here. Let's take a minute or two or three, and, and let's say some hello to somebody. Well, good morning. <laughs>
is like fellowshipping, saying hi to somebody they haven't seen in a while, but really awesome to see. suffered for a little while the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore confirm strengthen and establish you 
God, whoevermore will be. He opened the prison doors, He parted the raging sea. My God, He holds the victory. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is shown in this place. We won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We sing to the God who heals. We sing to the God who saves. We sing to the God who always makes a way. He hung up on that cross and he rose up from that grave. My God still rolling stones away. There's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today. And we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. There's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is shown in this place. Won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Cause we were the beggars. Now we're royalty. We were the prisoners. Now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by his grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. Cause we were the beggars, now we're royalty. We were the prisoners, now we're running free. We are forgiven, accepted, redeemed by His grace. Let the house of the Lord sing praise. There's joy. Of the Lord, there's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is shown in this place, we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise, there's joy in the house of the Lord. There's joy in the house of the Lord today, and we won't be quiet. Shout out your praise, let joy in the house of the Lord. Our God is shown in this place, and we won't be quiet. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We shout out your praise. Oh, oh, oh. We shout out your praise. Isaiah 41.10 Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be frightened, for I am your God. I strengthen you, yes, I help you. Yes, I uphold you with my victorious right hand.
song this morning for you all. A new one that we've been working on. As our acoustic player gets ready. <laughs>
home I try with all my mind But I just can't win the fight I'm slowly drifting A vagabond And just when I ran out of room I met a man I didn't know And he told me
Well, good morning. Hey, we've got to do a little bit of housekeeping before we jump in. Um, let, me, let me tell you right now, just a quick disclaimer. We're going to talk about Abram, Abraham in the passages today, but if I mix in any other names, I don't mean it. So if I say Moses or David or Jonah, any other weird names that come out of my mouth, I mean Abraham. I have been mixing Abraham with Moses all week long. So just, just be forewarned, if I say someone else's name, it's, it's not true. And second, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 15. And as we turn there, let me, let me warn you right now, if, if, if you're a seasoned believer... There's probably, gonna nothing, there's probably nothing in this passage that you're going to say, oh, wow, that's, that's really new. I never heard that before. And on that note, I'm looking for a new term. I've been using seasoned believer for a long time, and I've decided I don't like that. It makes it sound like people who have been in the church for a long time are like an overcooked steak. So I'm, I'm looking for a new, new term for someone that's been in, a long, in the church a long time, and it can't be mature because then that's a reference to immature, and I don't like being called immature at all. So if you've got something that's not seasoned or mature and immature, let me know after church, because I've been looking for a new term. With that being said, this is week four. Uh, if you've been with us in Core 52, what we're going to do is we're going to go through 52 of the most commonly preached passages so that you have a, a good understanding where most people preach from. So Genesis chapter 15, we're going to be in there. We're going to stay in there all day long, and we're going to talk about Abram all day, regardless of what comes out of my mouth. So just Abram. So Genesis chapter 15. I'll give you just another like two seconds to get there. Genesis chapter 15. All right, let's go. Genesis chapter 15, starting in verse 1. It said, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. You know, I'm going to look at this passage, and if you've been at the church a long time, this is, this is a passage I'm sure you heard. This is the covenant. This is the original promise God made to Abram and said, your offspring is going to fill this earth. And I look at that, and it's, it's really easy oftentimes that we hear the passage over and over, and we, we kind of gloss over some things, but there are some important biblical truths just here that we can't overlook. And I want to point this out. This covenant, in a very remote way, teaches us about who God is. And if we're not careful... And we just read this quickly and say, oh, this is a covenant God made to, to Abram about how Abram's son is going to populate the earth. If we read that quick, it's easy to overlook and we miss who God is. Let me tell you who God is. God is the authority. Now, let me, let me give you an example of, of how this is demonstrated here. Suppose, just let's suppose there is a hypothetical young man. Now, we won't, we won't give this hypothetical young man, but... 
This hypothetical young man has a disgustingly gross bedroom. I'm talking nasty bedroom. Candy wrappers in the closet, all sorts of dirty, dirty socks everywhere and, and broken glasses everywhere. It's just a hypothetical young man. Now, let's just say this hypothetical young man comes to his father one day and says, Father, I'm going to clean my bedroom, and when I clean my bedroom, you will get me pizza, and you will take me to golf and stuff, and you will pay for me to ride the go-karts all day long. Really? Let me tell you what's going to happen to this hypothetical son. You will clean that bedroom. Or I will snatch every ounce of food out of this house and you will starve until that bedroom's clean. Why? Because this is my house. Your bedroom is my bedroom. Everything you own is technically mine because you are a minor and you cannot have a legal possession. So you will clean the bedroom. Why? Because I'm the authority. When we look at this passage, it is easy to overlook. Who started the covenant? It was not Abram. Abram did not go to God and say, God, I want my descendants to be as numerous as the stars. Why? Because Abram is not the authority. It was God who said, this is how it's going to be. This is the details of our deal. If you accept the deal, this is what will happen. That is what is happening. God lined out what will happen. He said, you walk outside, you look at the stars, you count them. If you can count them, this is how many descendants your, your, your people will be. And then he laid out the details of which Abram had to follow in order to agree to this covenant. Why? Because God was the authority. And this is important to believers. Why? For two parts, really. Um, one big part is I get really cranky with believers who don't vote. And I say, you've got to vote because in this country we have this opportunity to vote for the authority that we are placing in our lives to have authority over our lives to tell us what we can and we can't do. And we need to make sure the authorities we elect, their authority is God. That's one part. Second, we look at this passage... I'm just going to be honest with you, family. I'm going to be real honest here. I believe most Christians will come and they'll say, God is the authority in my life. And we'll say that and we'll shake our head and we'll get that somber look and we'll say, yes, God is the authority in our life. But I think all too often we say that God's the authority but I'm not so sure if God is always the authority. If God was the authority in our life according to this covenant, that means God is the one that decides right and wrong in our life. He decides good and bad in our life. He is the one that dictates the rules and it is up to us to live by them because he is the authority and we are not. And all too often, we come to church and we say, yes, God is the authority in our life. But unfortunately, all too often, we allow a glowing screen to really be the authority in our life. 
We allow this glowing screen to tell us what is right and wrong, what is good and bad, what is acceptable and not acceptable. We allow all these outside influences to say this is okay because we hear it more often. We do that all the time. You know, we'll we'll say things like, this is an easy example, we'll say, okay, God's word says it's not okay to steal, but all of a sudden, all the way around us, we're hearing it's okay to steal as long as it's under $50. And see, what does that mean? It means that we're not listening and we're not adhering to God being the authority in our life. We're allowing everything around us to tell us what is right and wrong, what is good and bad. We allow this outside influences to determine our morality, our ethics, the way we live. What's also the problem, and this happens, this happens more often than it shouldn't be, is we, we forget, we forget who we are with God. All too often, we believe that when we come to church and we worship and we pray, sometimes we forget who we are and we start making demands of our Creator. Abram, in this passage right here, look and says, Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And look at Abram's words. He says, O Lord God, what what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, Behold, you have given me no offspring. A member of my household will be my heir. This is an unusual situation between Abram and God. Abram simply saying, God, I I don't have a son. He is not saying, God, you will give me a son. All he's doing is saying, God... I I don't have a son. We all too often somehow think that we are allowed to demand God listen and behave and act and do as we think he should. And I'm going to tell you, family, this world is absolutely God's. We are merely a creation. We are in no position to demand anything from God. That doesn't mean we don't bring petitions and prayer requests and requests to God. We know from the New Testament passage, God wants us to bring our heart to him. God wants us to bring our heart to him. He wants us to bring our requests to him. He wants us to bring our needs, our worries, our fears, our stresses. We know that God wants us to bring that to him, but we are in no way entitled to say, God, you will do this. That is not scriptural, and the covenant shows that. It was God who was the authority because he was the one who originated it. It was not originated by Abram. So let me ask you this in an easy term, family. Who really determines your right and wrong? And when you answer that question, that is the authority you have placed in your life. Whatever source in your life is teaching you right and wrong, good or bad, teaching you how to behave, teaching you how to interact with others, when you figure that out, that is the authority you've allowed in your life. And if it's not God, you have the wrong authority in your life. There's there's no easy way to say that. There's no nice way to say that. The, The people that determine your right or wrong is your authority, and there should only be one authority, and that should be God. All right, let's move on. This time we're going to start in verse 7. Just skip down just a hair. 
And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Shelians to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? He said to him, Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in the air. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you... You shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, and the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Just before we, we, we put the Bible down, look at those words right there, good old age. Personally, I have an issue with the word good old age. Uh, that's a scary term to me. If God says, Jerry, you're going to live to be a good old age, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how I feel about that. But what we see here clearly is the covenant is teaching us about what time is. Did you, did you notice anywhere in that passage when God said exactly how or when or what is going to happen to make Abram, his descendants, so large and so many it overruns the stars? Did you see that? Did you see where God said it's going to happen the month after next? Or did you see where God says it's going to happen um, before your hair turns gray? Or it's going to happen at the third season of planting in the second year? Did you, did you see where that happens? No. See, the covenant teaches us about what time is because our idea of time and God's idea of time don't always line up. For instance, last couple weeks I've been praying my head really hurts. God, I'd like you to make my head not hurt. When I prayed that, do you know what I expect? I expect God to take the pain from my head right that second. I don't want to wait. It hurts. It's bothering me. I want it to leave. I don't want lights to flash and make me dizzy anymore. I want it to happen now. Why? Because that's my timetable. That's not necessarily God's. And so when we look at these, these passages, the covenant teaches us about what really, what, what time is. Why? Because God accomplishes what God wants to accomplish when he wants to accomplish it with who he wants to accomplish it with. All he gives Abram is the term good old age. Man, that is a, that's a really vague term. What if I wanted to live to be a great, great good old age? What is good old age? I don't know how I feel about good old age. Maybe, maybe if he said it now, maybe you had a great year in high school but your first year of college is going to be awful. Does that mean your, your high school years the good old age and that's when you're supposed to go? I don't like this term good old age. If God's going to tell me when I'm going to be buried, I would like a, a specific. I would like some exact details. God's really powerful. And so when he says a good old age, does he mean 800 years? I'm kind of concerned that's going to mess up my, my retirement plans. You know, if I'm planning on quitting work at 65, that money's got to last till I'm 865. We're going to have to make some choices. Family, no dinner. If you've been following with us 
along with this covenant 52, you'll have a clear understanding of, of where this breakdown happens. Who created time? When God created this, this world that we live in and he made the sun, the stars, and the moon, and this environment, what he did was, was develop the concept that we have of time. We have that concept because the sun goes down, sun comes up. That's a day. We have that concept because God created it. We have this concept of aging. Why? Because we live in this fallen world because of sin where our body is deteriorating. We know that. So as the years go by, our, our, our bodies age, our hair turns gray, our bones get a little bit more brittle. This is, this is all a creation of God. It's, it's his. So when God says, I'm going to do it, we can't say, God, I want you to do it now. God says, I'm going to do it when I want to do it. And that's, that's kind of a problem. Because all too often as believers, we bow our head and we've got this really important prayer. We've got this really important petition for God. And we bow and we pray and we're faithful. And we open our eyes. We say, amen. We look around and say, God, well, did you hear me? And we usually fall within one of three categories either one we, we go it this is this is god's will whatever's going to happen is going to happen or number two what happens all too often we bow we pray we we look we wait and when god doesn't respond we go oh no god god doesn't exist god didn't answer the prayer request the way i wanted to when i wanted to obviously there's no god because he didn't bend to my demands or three this is my personal favorite you bow, you pray, there's a petition, it's urgent. You open your eyes, it doesn't get answered the exact way and the time that you want. You go, no, nope, God doesn't like me. No, nah, God's mad at me. No, nah, God's punishing me. Whatever, whatever your statement is, it's usually in those categories. But the covenant shows us something here. And God fulfills his plans on his time. And when those things happen, we, we don't really have much of a, a say in it. And I wonder, I wonder out loud, I wonder with you, we look at this passage and we know that Abram had this covenant and I, I wonder what was going through Abram's mind when it didn't immediately become fulfilled. When he didn't open his eyes and Sarah goes, surprise, I'm pregnant. When that didn't immediately happen, how long did Abram wait exactly before he started saying in his head, his head did I misunderstand God? Because if, if let's say you, you invite me and say, hey, Jerry, let's go to Slotsky's and get a Diet Coke and, and sit and hang out. We'll meet there at Tuesday at 11 o'clock. I would be there at Tuesday at 11 o'clock. I would look around and would go, oh, they're not here yet. I'm gonna go inside and get my drink and wait for them. And after 30 minutes, I would start looking around saying, did I misunderstand? Did I, did I mishear the, the date? Obviously, they told me to be here. I must have messed up. I must have been here on the wrong date. I'm really curious to know what was going through Abram's mind because we know, and if you know your church history, what happens immediately after is when Abram said, okay, God made this promise. He didn't fulfill it on my timetable. Clearly, I misunderstood him, so he went and had a child with his, his wife's handmaiden, and we know from Scripture it was that child who has created so much problems and what that child has led to. And I wonder if, if it all came down to, to this simple idea of what time is. And what does that mean for us? How do we, how do we handle God's time? 
How do we handle saying, okay, we know God's going to be faithful, but we have to wait. We have to sit and we have to wait. How does that happen? I'm going to tell you, family. I I don't have the exact answer. There was a, a a young guy, I won't mention any name, but this individual had a really bad habit of driving and speeding and doing awful things behind the wheel. And he was always getting speeding tickets and he was always dirt broke and poor. He was poor because his insurance rates were through the roof and he was always paying for driving school and all these tickets. And so he bowed and prayed and said, God, will you, will you please bless my finances so I can you know, get on top of this? I have no money. So his expectations were bow and pray, open his eyes, God's gonna take care of that that situation form right the problem was is that prayer wasn't answered on his time it was answered on god when god simply didn't respond in the exact way and he waited and he waited until this young man had finally learned their lesson and stopped driving like that and lo and behold when the speeding tickets and all the fines when he stopped doing that lo and behold his money started getting better His finances were better. His budget was stronger. Why? Because God answered that situation on God's time. He allowed that young man to learn from it. The problem is, is we don't like waiting just like Abram didn't like waiting. And we go off and we do silly things on our own and we cause more problems too often. All right, last time we're going to read, we're going to close it up after this. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates, the land of the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Raphim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Geshites, and the uh, Judas. So here, and this is the very end, so... If you're not tracking a mental picture of what's going on, it's, it's very simple. God came to Abram in a vision, told Abram, you take these animals, you cut them in half, you, you sacrifice them, you place them over here. And then we know that, that Abram sat out there and he was shooing the birds away. And as night came, this is where it gets really cool. Look at these words again. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, Behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch pass between these pieces. If you don't understand how cool that is, that is one of the coolest things in Scripture right there. So here's these two animals, and all of a sudden these two items go right between the two. And if you know the the laws of the covenants, when two people make a covenant, they would walk between the animals so that their blood was on each side, And it was an outward significant sign that if one of the individuals did not fulfill their end of the bargain, they'd be cut in half. Kind of gross, but that's that's how they made a promise. And here comes God's presence. That is one of the coolest things in Scripture. So here's Abram, a regular person. He's sitting here, and God's presence passes by him. That is incredible. Let let me tell you this. I watched watched this, this show one time, and it, it hurt my feelings so much. There was this celebrity. A few of you might have heard of her. It's Taylor Swift. And she was, she was meeting some of her fans. And it was, she was meeting fans. And these people were going, oh, and they were passing out because they were all excited about meeting Taylor Swift. And I just looked at that and thought, oh, gag. 
are you for real? But they would see her and they would get all fluttery and they were sweating and perspiring and a couple of them fell down because they were in the presence of Taylor Swift. And I thought, oh, gag. If people were passing out because they were so enthusiastic about seeing Taylor Swift, when God's word tells us that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess when they stand before God. And I look at that and I think when we see God, we're not gonna drop to our knees because we're forced to. I believe people are gonna be falling left and right. Being within the presence of greatness is gonna cause us to go down and we're gonna go down hard. We are gonna drop when we are in the presence of our creator. We are gonna worship, we're gonna cry out and say, God, we're gonna do that because God is God. And this is that that piece here and let me tell you why this is so important you ready for it because this this is the most important part i'm going to get i'm going to give you my opinion you might disagree with me and you might criticize me after church but i'm going to give you my opinion about abram you ready for it i think abram's a coward every time i read about abram abraham i think he's a cowardly weak man I, I believe Abraham is, is indecisive. I believe he is almost a peacekeeper, almost to a fault. I look at Abraham, and I, honestly, family, I'm not super impressed. When God made this covenant with, with Abram, Abraham, I didn't look at it and say he was the, the most wealthy individual. He wasn't the most powerful. He wasn't the strongest mentally. I, I look at Abram, and I go, meh, that's Abram. But I look at, I look at Abram, and this is why it's so important about this covenant teaching us about who we are to God. See, God, God chose a regular, broken individual. He chose a, a man that, that was too afraid to stand up to anyone for his own wife. He chose someone that was seemingly indecisive to me. He chose this individual. Why? Not because of who Abram was, but he chose him because who he could be. And that to me, family, that is one of the coolest, most reassuring passages I've ever seen. God's presence passed before Abram. Abram, a regular individual, nothing special. God's presence made a deal with Abram and walked among him. This is incredible. Why? Because there was nothing special about Abram, Abraham. And you know what, family? For the most part, most of us are just average. I believe most people that come and then on this, this planet, we're just average people. We have our issues, we have our ups and downs, we have our weaknesses, we have our struggles, we, we have our, our temptations, and all of us is all different. And I look at that and I think, if, if God would choose Abram for such a monumental covenant, such a huge promise, there's hope for me. And I, you know, I'm gonna be honest, if I could sit and preach this every single week, I probably would. Because we have such a large percentage of our world that are walking around and they believe that they are nothing more than a pile of cells and goop that somehow crawled their way out of the ocean. They're not special. They're not created. They did not have God breathe life into them. They're nothing. They're just here. They're here for their 10, 20, 30, 60 years, and then they're nothing. And they, they walk around and they believe that they are not special. And then they're looking for things that make them feel valued. They're looking for money, possessions, friends, items, anything, status. And they're searching, and they're searching for things because the world is telling them they are nothing. And then what's worse, family, is we have Christians 
We have Christians who come to this church and other churches and they step foot in the church and they go, I'm nothing. I'm not special. I'm just average. I'm not gifted. I got problems. I'm not as good as them. I'm not as good as them. And you know what's really cool? Neither am I. And neither is Abram. And God used him. I could, I could say this all day long, all week long, because I'm telling you, we have, we have a major problem in this, this world where people are walking around and they feel like they are trash. They feel like they're garbage. They don't feel like they're special. In fact, I'm going to say it again, and I say this more often to men than females, because now in, in our world, we have this idea that, that men are worse because they're men, and because of the, the manly traits they have, it automatically makes them worse than their counterparts, which is why suicide rates among male are so much higher than females because the world's walking around telling them you're garbage you're trash you're toxic everything that makes you you is not good and i'm going to tell you right now and i'll I'll probably keep saying it you are special to god 100 you are special to god and let me let me leave you with this idea in my years because i'm aging backwards in my years i have been to more maternity wards than I can count. I have been to more homes when they, when they bring their newborn home. I have been to more graduations. I have been, more, been to more birthday parties and more celebrations and a more, more award ceremonies than I can possibly count. And in these situations, more often than not, there is a mom and they look at that individual who's either born or being honored or graduating or celebrating or whatever it is they're doing, their their special day. And that stereotypical mom looks at that child with such pride. And I hear the same words over and over. They are so beautiful. They are so handsome. They are so good. They are so perfect. And the mother looks at this child not as, oh, well, they messed up here and they messed up here. But they look at that child with so much pride and they're so excited. I personally have never heard a mother look at their baby and say, that is an ugly baby. Never heard it. In all my years, I've never heard it. And there are perhaps one or two children that I looked at that are not the, not the prettiest. <laughs> but not to mama. Never to mother. Never to mother. They look at that child, and that child and their vision is perfect. And that is the exact way I believe God looks at us. He, looks at, he looked at Abram here for this covenant. Not as a weak, broken man. Not as a man who was kind of afraid to stand up to authority for his wife. None of that. He looked at Abram as his created being. He looked at Abram and saw all this potential. He saw all this ability that what Abram can do and and what he can accomplish with Abram because Abram was simply willing to go. So I'll say it again. We are very, very, very important to God. He looks at us just like a a proud mother and he says, they're great. They're handsome. They're beautiful. They're perfect. Not that we don't have our ups and downs by any means, but I believe God looks at us with the same beaming pride of what we can do if we accept. And if you ask me, how do I know that for sure? It was proven on the cross. Jesus doesn't die for people he doesn't love. That's our verification of when God said, I love you, 
our verification happen on that cross. As our uh, band comes up to lead us in the song of decision, if you have not made a, a choice to give your life to Jesus who gave his life for you, I'm gonna tell you now is the time. Hey, if you're watching online and you wanna make a decision for Jesus, uh, get a hold of us in the office. We can, we can make it happen. Uh, if you're having a rough week, you just want some prayers, come on down, we'll pray with you. Hey, if you're watching online, the same thing goes. Just put it on that connection card. We see him, we pray about him. If it's confidential, please mark it. Or if you're a baptized believer and you want to be part of this family, I'm going to say, hey, come on down. We'll, we'll welcome you with open arms. But let's stand as we get ready to sing.
just share this with you 30 seconds minute minute and a half two minutes maybe three is is the time you're going to have and we're going to come forward we're going to have a little bit of communion and it's going to be really easy to take that cup that cracker eat it and drink it real fast and then bump your neighbor and whisper or get on your phone and look at a message or just simply start thinking about what you're going to have for lunch or what you're going to do when you get home and I'm going to tell you that we don't, we don't have much time. This is, this is a minute, two minutes, three minutes that we get to spend that you'll never get back. Bow your heads, close your eyes, and this is the time that we get to spend with Jesus and say thank you. Thank you for what you, you did. Thank you for what you showed us. Thank you for the forgiveness that we have. So I'm gonna say don't, don't waste it. Don't, don't take it for granted. It's so important. Let's pray. God, thank you today. Uh, thank you for this church, these people, uh, the ability to, to be here. Uh, God, thank you for the ups and downs and the highs and lows in life. Thank you for hearing us. Thank you for caring about us. But God, most importantly, thank you for what took place in that cross. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to have our sins forgotten and washed. God, don't, don't let us overlook what an amazing gift this was. Jesus, and I pray, amen.
on the inside of your bulletin, we have announcements for this week. Um, Jerry's going to have all of his youth groups this evening. Roger's group will not meet. Dale's 452 group will meet this evening. Uh, we also, at, at 5 p.m., there's going to be a Singspiration at Whetstone. You can bring a dessert to share. Also, through the week, we have all of our Bible studies, Jules LOL groups meeting. Uh, Saturday's the pancake breakfast, and all the proceeds from the pancake breakfast this, this, uh, this particular time will go toward helping Santa on the West End. And so when we do pancake breakfasts, we're going to focus in on some of the outreaches that we do for that. You can see a lot of the other announcements for Peaches and for Operation Christmas Child, giving statements. Uh, we're going to have a Super Bowl uh, night here on February 11th, starting at 4. There will be uh, games in the other building. We'll have the game on the screen here. Hopefully we'll have our extra, our extra screens on here by then to make it a little bit bigger even. And um, I know the ladies are planning something for that night too. So at this time, Jules has a mystery that she wants to share with us. I just wanted to share um, a huge thank you. I called some of you parents and just told you what it means to do LOL with your girls. And I just wanted to say thank you so much for being patient with me. I was sick for the beginning of the, the year. And to just know that you guys support your girls coming to my house um, and work with me. Obviously, illness comes to all of our houses, but it just really, really means a lot to me that you guys share your children and trust me. Um, and I also really appreciate that FCC um, allows me to do this with your girls. So we are meeting two times uh, in a row this, this, this month, excuse me. Um, and we're doing that because you guys allowed me to be sick and heal, and we're going to re-meet uh, this Tuesday. But I just wanted to share with you parents and with you children, um, young teens, teens, whatever name you guys want, um, thank you so much for coming to my house, and as we start this new year, I am just so looking forward to spending time with your girls, um, and you girls. It really means a lot to me to have you guys in my house and in my life, so thank you so much for loving me the way I love you guys. Before, before I share the or Core 52 memory verse for this week, just a couple reminders. You know, we said when we started this, you didn't need to bring your books because the books aren't the focus. The scripture is. The books are nothing more than a devotion to help lead us into what we're doing and for us to build upon. And I said from the beginning, if you'll take 15 minutes a day, five days a week and work in Core 52, you will learn a lot about scripture. You will also see a lot of the high points of scripture, which will give you insight, at least to about 80% of scripture, you'll have a good understanding of, and the other 20%, it'll help you to to be able to navigate it better. So I want to encourage you to do that. Memory verses, it's important that you memorize Scripture because it's amazing how memorized Scripture works in your life. Now this week, you got an easy one, so I'll go ahead and put our video up. Our core verse number four comes from Genesis chapter 15 and verse 6. Again, it's a shorter verse, so let me just remind you of a couple of things are three rules. Number one, repeat, repeat, repeat. Number two, hands, feet, hands, feet. The more your hands and feet move, the quicker you learn the verse. And number three, 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 three. About three minutes per verse, about three days before you can memorize it without looking at it, 
and three weeks, you have to say it every day for three weeks to embed it permanently. That's why you should always be working on three of these memory verses at a time. So since this is number four, you should review verse number two, Genesis 1.26, verse number three, Genesis 3.6, and now this one. And again, we're going to start with the, with the location, say the verse, end with the location. Genesis 15, verse 6. Genesis 15, verse 6. And he, now here's, a, here's just another insight. The Bible says he, but I might add the word Abram, or even say Abraham. I know that's not exactly what the verse says, but because you're quoting it out of context, you want to remember who you're talking about. So I'm just going to go ahead and put Abraham for he. And Abraham believed the Lord. And so what are the hand motions? Abraham, our father Abraham, he believed. So I'm going to put my fist together. I don't know why. It just this seems like belief to me. And he believed the Lord. And Abraham believed the Lord. And Abraham believed the Lord. And Abraham believed the Lord. Say it over and over again. And Abraham believed the Lord. 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 And he counted it to him as righteousness. He counted it to him. One, two, three, four. He counted it to him as righteousness. And this is kind of it's my own secret. It's a halo. And he counted it to him as righteousness. That way I could actually do the motions while I'm preaching or teaching this text and no one would really know what it means. So here we go. Genesis chapter 15, verse 6. Two parts. And Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. One more time. And Abraham believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. Genesis 15, verse 6. Good job. And if you'd like to review that, that's on our Core 52 spot on our website. On the back of our bulletin, we have our prayer concerns and um, a couple things to take note of. TCM, TCM sent us a thank you for all the support that we give them. Also, we got word this morning that um, Mary McTyree passed away, one of our shut-ins. I think it was last night when that happened. Also, we're still praying for, for Brad Ricard, that he gets better, and we get to see him hopefully next week, or hopefully shortly after. We have a lot of other people we've been praying for. We've been praying for CareNet as our, out, one of our out, as our outreach this month, and also for Boise as our mission. Next Sunday, we'll have our faith promise. Um, Adrian Sanchez from Southern Mexico Mission will be bringing the message. I went to school with Adrian, and I'm looking forward to seeing him, and we'll be glad to, to be able to welcome him to First Christian. And by the way, if you're on the missions ministry team, we're going to be going at 6 p.m. on Saturday to uh, Slotsky's uh, to meet up with Adrian. So please let me know if you're going to be there. We have reservations for that. I believe that's all the announcements. So let's stand together. And that's all the prayer requests. Let's stand together. Make sure that you take your prayer concerns home and be lifting up the Lord. And I'll close with a word of prayer and our band will lead us out. Let's pray together. Father, we're thankful. We're thankful for the fact that as flawed as we are and as imperfect as we are, you see us as perfect. You don't see that ugly kid in the crib, but you see a, just a beautiful child. And Lord, we're thankful for that. We're thankful for the covenant that you've made with Abraham that we still get to reap the benefits from today. Father, I pray that as we live this week, that we live victorious in you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.